From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's great to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your very first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you've joined us and that you're checking us out. Uh, Welcome, welcome. Uh, Real fast, before we get into the scripture and the sermon for today, uh, just something special that I want to share with you. We're about two weeks now from Easter. Easter is April the 9th this year. And I hope all of you are making plans to join us in person. If you can, we're going to worship at 10 a.m at the AMC Theater where we where we always worship, uh, 10 a.m. And then right after worship, we're going to have a, a big party. There's going to be a free popcorn bar, a photo booth. The Easter Bunny is going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you uh, not just for, for you to come out and, and join us in person if, if you're local, uh, but I want to challenge you to, to think of somebody that you can bring. You know, my guess is that there is somebody in your life right now that's been on your heart. I bet there's somebody in your life that's been in your prayers. It could be a coworker or a family member or a neighbor uh, or, or, or something like that, a friend that, that you know of. Uh, and I bet if, if that person doesn't immediately come to mind, if you, if you stop and think about it, there is somebody in your life who is going through a hard time who could use a little bit of extra hope and, and love in their life right now. And so my challenge for you is to, to think of who that person is and sometime over the next week, just reach out to that person with a, a very simple, low-pressure invitation to come and join us for our Easter celebration. It doesn't have to be too weird or, or awkward or anything. You can just say, that, hey, I've been thinking about you. You've been on my mind. You've been in my prayers. And our church is having a special Easter service and it's a great time to visit. We'd love for you to come with me. And maybe they'll say no, and that's okay. You know, you can just move on. But but they might say yes. And if they say yes, then you can say, oh, great. You know, you can make plans to pick them up or, or meet them at a, a specific time at the theater before service. You can offer to save them a seat. Research tells us that, that most people who don't go to church would be very open to an invitation. They would be open to attending if they could just go with a friend. And so I hope we will be those friends over this next week, reaching out with those invitations. How amazing would it be on Easter Sunday if we just packed the room with our friends and our family and loved ones and people that we care about who just like us could use that powerful message of Easter hope. So thank you for your help in in extending those invitations and I look forward to seeing how God is going to work through us as we reach out ahead of our Easter celebration. Uh, All right, with that being said, our scripture for today comes from the book of 1 Timothy. This is in the New Testament. We're looking at uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. And it says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength because he considered me faithful. And so he appointed me to ministry, even though I used to speak against him. I used to attack his people and I was proud, but I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and without faith. Our Lord's favor poured all over me, along with the faithfulness and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is reliable and it deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the biggest sinner of all. But this is why I was shown mercy, so that Christ Jesus could show his endless patience to me first of all. So I'm an example for those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. 
Now to the king of the ages, to the immortal, invisible, and only God, may honor and glory be given to him forever and always. Amen. Uh, This is the, the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I wonder, uh, how do you tend to respond in a situation when you have been wronged? How do you tend to respond when when you've been wronged? Quick, quick story. Um, So a couple weeks ago, I was late to a meeting that was across town. And so I jumped in my car and started driving quickly. And I figured if I drive fast enough, and if I get lucky on a number of these traffic lights, I might actually make up some time and, and I might actually make this meeting on time. So I'm zipping along and and I get a few green lights and and I'm feeling good about this. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this guy swerves in front of me and cuts me off. And right about the time this guy cuts me off, I look at the next traffic light and it changes from green to yellow. Now, if this guy wasn't in front of me, I would have hit the gas and and I would have totally made the light. But because this guy was in front of me and and he decides we're going to stop at this light, now I have to stop too. So now I'm sitting at this light, watching it turn from yellow to red, and I realize there is no way now that I'm going to make this meeting on time because of this guy who cut me off, right? Now, I'm a nice person, so I didn't flip this guy the bird. Uh, I didn't even honk, although I I wanted to, Um, but but I must admit, I I did uh, pull aggressively close to his bumper, and I was staring daggers at him in his rearview mirror the whole time the light was red. And as soon as the light turned green, at the first chance, I I zipped around him. And as I passed by him, I gave him the meanest look that I could come up with. And that is why, that is why I do not put a Kindred Church bumper sticker on my car. Uh, It would not be a good witness in moments uh, like that. Um, I'm I'm not proud of how I handled that situation. I'm not lifting myself up as an example at all. Some of you are judging me right now. Uh, That's okay. But I share that story simply to point out that that I think in situations when we've been wronged in some kind of a way, uh, most of us, most of the time, tend to respond kind of like that. We we respond with with some degree of hostility, right? Like maybe we respond with with hostile actions, uh, or it could just be hostile thoughts, or at the very least, it's, it's hostile feelings that we feel. Like, you know, you're, you're in a meeting at work and your boss out of nowhere just snaps at you, or, or maybe your boss blames you for something that's not at all your fault. You know, how do you, how do you respond to that? Uh, you, you probably don't want to snap back at your boss because you don't want to get fired, but, you know, may, maybe instead you, uh, maybe you just ruminate on that over and over and over again angrily, or, or maybe you find a coworker later or a friend and you just rant about your, your boss and how upset you are, or, or maybe you just silently hold a grudge against your boss. I don't know what you would do in that situation, but most of us would feel some kind of hostility after being wronged in, in that kind of way, right? Um, or, you know, let's say that you get home from work and it's been a long day and you're tired and, and you go to the fridge because what you want more than anything at the end of this long exhausting day is, is you want a piece of chocolate cake and you open the fridge and what you see is that there's no chocolate cake left because your partner ate the last piece of chocolate cake even though they knew that you wanted it and that you were saving it you've been wronged so, so how do you respond In that situation, do you find your partner and yell at them and and have a big fight about it? 
Do, do you respond more passive aggressively and, and maybe you eat something that they were saving for themselves? Or maybe you just give your partner the silent treatment? I don't know how you, you would respond, but most of us would feel some sense of hostility in, in a situation like that. Or let's say you get on social media and you see some guy that you went to high school with back in the day and, and he's just attacking everyone in your entire political party. He's saying that you don't respect the sanctity of life and you're all a bunch of idiots. You don't respect the, the sanctity of marriage or whatever the, the issue is. You've been wronged. You're offended. How, how do you respond to that? Do you take the next 30 minutes to, to craft like the perfect post that will just shred this guy to pieces and, and make him cry? Uh, or, or do you call up a, a mutual friend and, and just rage about what an idiot this guy is? Or, or do you just stew on your anger for, for some time after? I, I don't know what your response would be, but, but most of us would feel some degree of hostility when we feel wronged, right? That, that's, that, that's how we tend to, to respond, whether it's hostile thoughts, hostile actions, or, or just hostile feelings, that, that tends to be our response to being wronged. And we see this on a personal level. We see this politically, of course. We, we even see this on an, an international level. Like, why do we go to war? Well, at a basic level, it's because our country feels wronged in some kind of way. And so we respond with hostility. This dynamic is, is all around us. It's in our lives uh, and in the world. Now, one thing I want us to see today is that that response is perfectly natural. It is perfectly natural to respond with hostility when we feel like we've been wronged. Humans do it. It's kind of part of our nature, it seems. It seems to be how we're wired. Uh, animals do it as well. Uh, growing up, our, our family had this dog uh, named Libby. Libby was a, a rescue dog. And she was like the sweetest, kindest, gentlest dog I have ever met. Um, but there was this one moment when I was feeding her her dinner one night. And so I got her dish and I threw the food in the bowl and I put the bowl out and she started eating. And as she started eating, I realized I had accidentally given her too much food. And the vet had just warned us about overfeeding her and we needed to like cut, cut back on the amount of food we were giving her. And so I reached down to, to take some food out of her bowl while she was eating. And even though Libby was the sweetest, kindest, most gentle dog I have ever known, in that moment she growled at me. I think it was probably the only time I've ever seen this dog growl at anyone. And it really wasn't her fault, she was just following her instincts. She, she felt like she had been wronged when I was taking away her food, and, and so she reacted with hostility. It's, it's perfectly natural, but, but responding with hostility is, is not at all helpful. It's, it's just not. It, it almost never makes things better and, and it almost always makes things worse. And, and I think I can prove this to you. Uh, if you think about your life right now, like is your life so calm and so peaceful and serene that you feel like what you need in your life is more hostility? Do you feel like you're lacking in hostility in some kind of way? Of course not. I don't think any of us do because hostility fills us with anger and cynicism and hate. It just makes our lives worse in all of those ways, right? Or think about the world, you know, same thing. As you think about, is, is the world so serene and calm and peaceful these days that what we could use is just a, a little more hostility going on? No, just the opposite, right? Like we sit around and complain, the world is so divided. There's so much polarization. There's so much hatred in the world. What's wrong with the world today? But then as soon as we get wronged in some kind of way, what do we do? We, we respond with hostility and we've just become part of the problem. We've just added to the total amount of hostility 
in, in the world. So, so, so again, hostility, that, that's a perfectly natural response when we've been wronged. It's perfectly natural. Humans do it. Animals do it. But it's not at all helpful. All it really does in the end is it makes our lives worse and it makes our world worse as well. And so what I want us to see today is that God shows us a better way. God shows us a better way. You see, God understands that we struggle with hostility. God understands that it makes our lives worse. It makes the world worse. And so rather than just leave us to figure all that out on our own and to deal with that on our own, God gives us an example of a better way to respond when we've been wronged. And when we follow God's example and when we do it God's way, not only are we not making our lives worse and the world worse, but but we can actually become part of the solution we actually get to make our lives better and, and our world better as well, as we're going to see here. And, and so the, the question is, how does God respond when God has been wronged? I wonder if you've ever thought about that before. How does God respond when God has been wronged? As we think about that question, I want us to spend a few minutes today uh, looking at this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 1. That There's something so powerful and, and so transformational here uh, that, that I want us to, to see. Uh, so for context, um, th- this passage in, in 1 Timothy, uh, this was written in the first century by a guy named Paul. And, and some of you are familiar with Paul. Uh, Paul is probably the single most influential Christian leader outside of Jesus himself. Uh, Paul was a church planter in the first century. He catalyzed the spread of of Christianity. Uh, He ended up writing about half of what we would now call the New Testament. Um, It's likely that if it wasn't for Paul, you and I may never have even heard of Jesus. That's how influential uh, Paul is. So Paul, in this part of, of 1 Timothy, he's reflecting on this very question of how does God respond when God is wronged. And, and as we're going to see in a second, Paul has some firsthand experience of how God responds. So, so let's look at what Paul says. Verse 12 here. Uh, Paul says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, Paul says, because he considered me faithful. Paul goes on. So he, talking about Jesus, uh, so he appointed me to ministry. And don't miss this part. Paul says, Jesus appointed me to ministry, even though... I used to speak against him. Still talking about Jesus. I used to speak against Jesus, Paul says. I used to attack his people. And not only was I not ashamed of it, I was proud of it, Paul says. A little bit later in this same passage, Paul says, I'm the biggest sinner of all. So wait a second now. How can the most influential Christian leader of all time, outside of Jesus, say that he's the biggest sinner of all time? What's he referring to here? Well, some of you know Paul's background earlier in Paul's life. Paul was not a follower of Jesus. Earlier in Paul's life, Paul actually hated Jesus. And probably even more than Jesus, Paul hated Christians. And he hated Christians because early in his life, Paul thought that this new Christianity thing was uh, was a phony religion. He thought that it was dangerous. He thought that it was actually leading people away from God. And Paul felt so passionately about this that Paul had actually taken it on himself to to lead the efforts to to have Christians arrested, to have Christians tortured, in some cases to have Christians killed. Uh, Imagine this scenario, like you're you're meeting with your small group 
on a Wednesday night, let's say, in somebody's living room. And during the middle of the meeting, the police show up and they knock down the door and they start dragging people out of your small group, taking them into custody. They're, they're separating families. People are screaming and, and crying. People are, are running away. And as this painful scene of chaos is unfolding, there's a guy standing on the front lawn directing all of this. And that guy is clapping and cheering and laughing. That guy on the front lawn is Paul. That, that's basically what Paul was doing early in his life. And so that's what Paul means. When, when he says this about, I used to speak against Jesus, I used to attack his people, I, I, and I was proud of it. Paul is saying, listen, I am a sinner, big time. Paul is saying, I have wronged God. I have wronged God repeatedly because I have hurt people that God loves, and I have opposed the very movements of God. I'm a sinner, Paul says. Now, it's easy for us to look at Paul's story and think like, wow, uh, he was really a, a terrible person. And it's easy for us to, to judge Paul for, for what he did. And yet, this is convicting, but I think if we, if we stop and, and if we're honest, we, we may be a little bit more like Paul than we often like to think. Because, you know, we, we may not be as violent as Paul or, or as passionate as Paul, but nevertheless, we too are sinners, we too wrong God in some ways that aren't all that different from, from Paul, right? We hurt people that God loves, sometimes by accident and sometimes on purpose, right? We, we, uh, sometimes we perpetuate injustice against people that God loves, or we turn a blind eye to injustice against people that God loves. You know, God has reached out to us with God's word. God gives us God's guidance. God gives us instructions for how God wants us to live. God gives us a calling to pursue in our lives. And so often, we don't listen to God. We, we ignore God. In all these different kinds of ways, we're, we're sinners. We do wrong to God. And so again, this question is pressing of how does God respond to being wrong? This is not some abstract theological question. This is an existential question for each and every one of us. How does God respond to being wrong? What will Paul tells us here in verse 13 in the passage, Paul says, but, meaning despite the fact that I used to speak against Jesus, that I used to attack his people, but, Paul says, I was shown mercy. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and without faith. He goes on to say, our Lord's favor, that means our Lord's grace, he says, it was poured out all over me. This is like, uh, Paul's using the image of a bath here. You can imagine Paul giving Paul, or you can imagine God giving Paul like a grace bath. Our Lord's favor poured all over me along with the faithfulness and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, listen, when I did wrong to God, God did confront me. God did hold me accountable. It's not like God didn't care, but God didn't respond with hostility. Instead, God responded with love. Uh, so some of you know that the story of Paul's dramatic conversion. Uh, one day, Paul was out on the road. And he was traveling from the city of Jerusalem to the city of Damascus. And he was going to Damascus to continue this work of rounding up Christians, having them tortured, uh, having them killed, right? So he's on the road, he's angry as ever, and then wham, out of nowhere, Paul gets blinded by this heavenly light. This light was so bright, if you can imagine it, it was so bright, it literally knocked Paul to the ground. And while Paul was blinded by this light, Jesus appears to him. And Jesus confronts Paul 
And in no uncertain terms, Jesus tells Paul he better cut it out and he better stop hurting God's people that, that God loves and he better stop opposing this, this movement called church. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't leave Paul on the ground. Jesus calls Paul. Jesus embraces Paul. Jesus ends up bringing Paul into this family called the church and and actually commissioning Paul to be a leader of the church. That's how God responds to, to, to Paul. And so what Paul is highlighting here for us in this passage through his own story, as he's reflecting on his own experience, he's, he's highlighting God's forgiveness. That's what all of this is about, God's forgiveness. You know, what is forgiveness? Well, at a basic level, forgiveness is, is when somebody gets wronged and they respond not with hostility, but with love. Forgiveness is when somebody is wronged and that person responds not with hostility, but, but, but with love. This is how God responds to Paul. And Paul wants us to know, hey, this is how God responds to you. This is how God responds to, to me when, when we do wrong to God. You know, the, the, the reason that we know that this is true and, and the place that we see this more clearly than, than anywhere else is on the cross. It's on the cross. Some of you remember this story. Jesus is up on the cross. He's moments away from his death. He's just barely clinging on to life at this point. And Jesus looks out at the soldiers who had just driven the nails into his hands. Jesus looks out at this angry crowd that had gathered to watch him die and to laugh at him and to make fun of him while he died. In this moment, the whole world is against Jesus. The whole world is doing him wrong. And yet Jesus looks out over this scene. And I think in this moment, Jesus looks into the future and he probably sees you and he probably sees me. And how does Jesus respond? Does he respond with with hostility in this moment? That would be the natural thing. That's what many of us would do, right? But instead, Jesus looks out over this scene and, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. All of this is why this language of forgiveness uh, shows up in the Apostles' Creed. If you've been with us in recent weeks, we've been doing this series on the Apostles' Creed, one of the oldest statements of Christian faith, um, almost 2,000 years old, and one of the most widely embraced statements of Christian faith even to this day. Uh, you can check out the full text of the Creed in, the, in the, the podcast description or the video description here. Well, there's a line in the Creed that says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Part of what that means is I believe in a God who responds with love rather than hostility when God is wrong. I believe that that's what God is like. That's the God that we're involved with. That's a foundational belief of the Christian faith. And that's foundational to to our understanding of who God is. When God is wronged, God doesn't respond with hostility, but God responds with love. Now, to make this practical for us in closing here, uh, imagine with me for a minute what would happen if we forgave others the way that God forgives us. Imagine what would happen if we actually responded with love rather than hostility. I think if we did that, it would kind of be like we have a superpower, right? And here's why I say that. You know, we, we, we've said before that would be super 
unnatural, right? It would be super natural for us to not respond with hostility, but to respond with love. And not only would it be supernatural, it would be super powerful because we can take a situation full of hostility and if we apply this, this power of forgiveness, we can transform that situation into a situation uh, of love. Like, like next time I get cut off in traffic, uh, I could ride the person's bumper and swerve around them and, and shoot angry hand signals at them or shoot dirty looks at them. Or, or I could find a way to forgive. I could think to myself, you know, maybe this person is just lost and confused about where they're going and maybe they're just trying to find their way and they didn't realize that they cut me off. I've done that to people before by accident. Uh, or maybe this person is late to their meeting just like I am and they're just doing the best they can. Or maybe this person is having the absolute worst day of their life and they're just desperate to get home so that they can put this day behind them. Maybe this person actually needs my prayers, right? If we can find a way to, to forgive, we apply this superpower that takes a, a situation full of hostility and transforms it into a situation of love. That The next time that you're at work and your boss snaps at you or blames you for something that's not your, your fault, you could ruminate on it, you could rant about it to somebody else, you could hold a grudge, or you could remember that your boss is a human being. And sometimes being a human being is hard and being a boss is hard. And maybe your boss is going through something and maybe your boss actually needs your prayers. If you can find a way to forgive, it's like you, you have this superpower where you've taken a situation that could be full of hostility and you've transformed it into a situation of, of love. Uh, when your partner does something selfish or somebody on social media is doing something offensive, you could tear your partner down. You could rip that person on social media to shreds, or you could remember that everybody is kind of going through a lot right now, and everybody could use a whole lot of extra grace right now. And if you can find a way to practice forgiveness, you take this superpower and apply it to a situation that's full of hostility and transform it into a situation of love. And, and if we can do that in all these different ways in our lives, we're, we're, we're making our own lives better and we're making the world better as well. Uh, unfortunately, getting wronged is an unavoidable part of life. And what that means is it's not going to be long. I hate to tell you, it's not going to be long until you get wronged in some kind of a way. Again, you might get wronged at work tomorrow. You might get wronged at home this afternoon, you might get wronged as you're driving. Uh, I don't know, but but it's going to happen to you soon. I'm I'm fairly certain. And, and the question is for each of us: How are we going to respond? Are we going to do the natural thing and respond with hostility, or will we do the supernatural thing and apply this superpower of forgiveness? My my prayer for us is that we use this superpower that we find situations of hostility, or maybe they find us but we apply forgiveness, we practice forgiveness, and we transform hostility into love. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving and, and merciful God, uh, we thank you for the kind of God that you are, Lord. We thank you that you're, you're different from us in that our inclination is, is to respond with hostility when we get wronged, but we're, we're so grateful that you, you don't respond that way. 
that you continually respond with love. So God, we thank you for your forgiveness for ourselves. We thank you for your forgiveness in this world and the power that forgiveness has when we practice it. God, it is hard, hard, hard when we are in a situation where we've been wronged. Sometimes every fiber of our being wants to be hostile in some kind of a way. And, and yet what you show us is that if we can follow your lead and if we can practice forgiveness in our lives, we, we can have a transformational effect in ourselves, on our own hearts, and in the world around us. God, help us to, to forgive as you forgive and help us to, to make a difference in the world around us by doing that. We know that this world that is so full of hate and division and polarization, it, it so desperately needs to see a different way and a better way. And we pray that we would model that and practice that better way in our own lives. So God, we thank you for this teaching, even though it's hard, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, friends, remember uh, a few things. Um, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. And uh, the best way to do that is if you click the connect link that you see in the description here. Uh, I'll reach out to you later this week. I look forward to that. If you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. Uh, just get on our website. It's kindrednc.church. You'll get all the information about in-person worship there. Finally, click the announcements link in the description. That'll take you to this week's newsletter. And as I said at the beginning, uh, Easter is coming up. We've got a lot of exciting things things going on. I hope that you'll be thinking and praying about who you could reach out to with a simple low-pressure invitation to join us for worship on Easter Sunday. Uh, find out more details about all of that and other things coming up in the, the newsletter. Uh, and with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.